Hey guys, we're spending our summer seeking wisdom from what's known as the wisdom books in the Bible. We're trying to solve modern problems with these ancient answers. Primarily, we've been looking at this 3,000 plus year old collection of Proverbs, mostly authored or collected by Solomon, the second king of Israel. Some of the authors of the Bible describe as likely the wisest man to have ever lived. Well, I'm here with you by video this morning because as this ancient wisdom prophesied, it held true, as it tends to do. Solomon, you see, he warned that, quote, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps, and he was right once again. My planned steps this weekend included my family summer vacation and having a wonderful guest speaker, Pastor Terrell Davis, share with you from Proverbs. Well, the best laid plans, right? Unfortunately, at the last minute, Terrell couldn't be here, and I have to tell you, since the warnings uh, about wisdom and folly, they're so serious, and and there are just so many of them, and and so few weeks of summer, I wanted to keep the momentum of the series going. And so this morning, well, we're acting, I guess, just for one week, like a multi-site church, right? And going with Pastor on Video. This summer, together, we're pursuing wisdom, which is what Solomon instructs us to do. He He writes, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it cost you all you have, get understanding. In other words, wisdom isn't natural. We are not born wise. Wisdom is is something that's attained. It's got to be desired and then pursued, chased after. And why? Well, what I want to share with you this morning is that there is another attribute common to the human condition, which tends to be kind of our our starting point, our our natural state, and that state is folly. Life, Solomon would tell you, is is not neutral. If you're not in pursuit of wisdom, if you're not walking towards her, and if you were here in week one, you know that Solomon portrays wisdom not as a thing, but as a person, in this case a woman. If you're not walking towards lady wisdom, you're not standing still. What he would say is, you're on a path towards what he referred to as lady folly. Now, this morning, and maybe it's best I'm doing this by video so nobody can throw anything towards the stage. This morning, what I'm going to be telling you about yourself is going to be less than gentle. I got to warn you, and, and look, don't shoot the messenger. But because wisdom and folly lead either to life or death, because making wise decisions carries with it that kind of result, and you know that each of us have chased Lady Folly enough in our own lives to know what comes from unwise decisions, right? In our families, our careers, our finances, our relationships. Because it's so serious, Solomon, he doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't mince his words. In fact, there is one word that he uses over and over again to describe, well, you and I, when we abandon the pursuit of wisdom. And that word is fools. For Solomon, the opposite of being wise is being a fool. What he continues to drill home over and over and over again is that fools, well, they destroy their lives and and the lives of others. Don't be a fool, Solomon continues to try to to call out, but be wise. And so this morning, 
in what will ultimately be a two-week discussion on fools, for me at least, in order to understand what wisdom is and, and where it leads to, we're going to look at fools and where their folly leads. And what I'm going to show you over today and next time is that Solomon describes not just one kind of fool, but depending on how you count them, at least five. What you're going to notice, though, as we go through these fools is that it's super easy, oh so easy, to identify the fool in the seat next to you, right? There is no doubt as we look at these kind of fools, you're going to be tempted to throw an elbow into the side of your partner or your kid, and, and heck, that's fine, right? We all need feedback. Feedback's good. But the real key to these two weeks of teaching on fools is really to be asking ourselves, what kind of fool am I? What, what kind of trouble am I headed for? And what can I do to change the path that I'm on and walk towards wisdom? So let's get at it. Right in the first chapter of Proverbs, Solomon lays out three dominant type of fools that he's going to address the rest of the book. Quote, how long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will you mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? There is the simple fool, according to Solomon. There is the mocking fool. And the, well, for lack of a better description, there is the general fool, the common fool. And in my attempt to kind of go in order of seriousness, from least of fools to perhaps the beast of fools, let's start with what Solomon refers to over and over again as the simple fool. In Hebrew, in, in which this was written, is the word pethi. To be pathy means that you are naive. You are simplistic in the way you think and approach life. This word for fool is used in the scriptures 19 times. And when you review all of them, what you find is that a simple fool is somebody who is, well, they're kind of unformed intellectually. They have an inability, therefore, to discern between good and bad ideas. They're easily taken in, right? They can't sometimes even discern between good and evil. In fact, in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, the prophet speaks of people who sin through their ignorance. They just don't know any better. He uses the word for simple fool there. And so, in the Bible, when you see this kind of fool, he's often, as you would imagine, well, he's often young. Young people, simply by their nature, are pathy. They lack experience, they, and as a result, judgment, right? Because, well, everything's new to them. There's no context for their current circumstances. And so they tend to wind up making foolish decisions that lead to bad places. And, of course, they often tend to be easily led by others towards those bad decisions. Many of you know that I have a new little granddaughter, Landry, and Landry is one year old. Landry is pathy. I love her, so I can say this. Landry is one type of fool. And that's why I have to baby-proof my house. Left to her own devices, Landry would walk around sticking her finger in the socket in, in the wall. So Joan and I went out, and it seems like we just pulled these all out of our plugs, but now we have to put them all back in, get those outlet covers, right, for every outlet in the house. Why? Because Landry doesn't know yet what happens when you stick your finger in an outlet. And like a good grandfather, I'm trying to save her from what would be quite a painful lesson. Simple fools, as you can imagine, they often get hurt by others, or maybe more often by themselves, because of their ignorance. 
Solomon regarding these type of fools. Here's what he said. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them. God, too, does this with the simple, just like I did with Landry. He does this with simple fools because he's a good father. He, he's trying to protect them, to save them from hurting themselves. Here's what the psalmist wrote about simple fools. He said that the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. That word there is the simple fool. The Lord protects him. In fact, Solomon says right up front, this is one of the purposes of his writing of the entire book. It is, quote, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge, and discretion to the young. And, well, so should we, right? If we're in relationship with a simple fool, we should do the same. First, we should, at no small cost to ourselves, we should protect them. We should put barriers and guardrails in place to protect them from themselves. And, and, and not just that, right? We need to not just protect them, but instruct them, teach them, correct them, train them out of a heart of understanding and compassion for them. The goal is not to let the, the ignorant and the naive remain ignorant and naive. Why? Well, because when a child is a simple fool, it's not only understandable. Sometimes it's kind of cute, right? But here's the thing. In the scriptures, being a simple fool is not limited only to children and young people. To be a simple fool not only means that you are unformed psychologically, but that in a sense you're, you're so unsure of yourself who you are, your own identity, you're kind of so ungrounded and wishy-washy that you wind up being easily led and fooled by lots of people. You're so unsure of yourself. You're kind of like a child, right? You want so bad to be loved or to fit in. Your need for approval is so great that like a child, oftentimes you can't discern good instruction from bad instruction. You just follow whoever it was that last spoke to you, whoever had the loudest voice. You can wind up being moved or swayed or influenced by others. And, and as a result, and maybe, maybe this is true of you, you wind up getting taken advantage of. You have a habit of being taken in by bad leaders because they may speak grandiosely. You're, you're too easily moved by the dramatic or the, the show and the glitz. The simple believe anything. But the prudent give thoughts to their steps. That's what the scripture says. There's a great quote about the simple fool by G.K. Chesterton. He says that an open mind is like an open mouth. Its purpose is to bite on something nourishing, which is true of children. Otherwise, to the extent it doesn't bite onto something nourishing, an open mouth becomes like a sewer. It accepts everything and rejects nothing. Another characteristic of of what Solomon refers to as simple fools, is they tend not to stick very long with anything. Again, like a child, say, with its Christmas toy, right? At first it was awesome, and, and they wanted it so badly, and it's, it was shiny and new, but then by December 27th, it's kind of off in the corner, untouched, uncared for. And you see, that's one thing, right, when it's a child and their toy. It's quite another thing when, when it's an adult, with a job, or maybe worse, with a spouse. 
church hoppers, right? Church hoppers tend to be simple fools. They, they didn't like worship this morning. The pastor said something I don't like. You know, I think he was referring to me with all that fool stuff. I think I'm going to find a better church down the road. But here's the good news. Here's the good news if you identify with any of that. Here's the good news for simple fools, just like for a child. There is still time for you to grow up, to become mature, to change the way you think. You see, being a simple fool is a choice. You don't have to remain that way. What do you do? What's the solution if you're constantly getting taken in? Well, number one, here's what I'd encourage you to do. Get in relationships with people who can mature you who can instruct you, who can protect you. You have to know yourself, right? You have to be brutally honest here. You have to understand it, it, your level of fallibility or gullibility. Seek counsel often. And of course, what I would tell you is to make God the first of those relationships and start with his word, right? Start right there in Proverbs. Here's w- w- what he says. Lady Wisdom cries out, Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come, eat my food and drink the wine I've mixed. Leave your simple ways and you'll live. Walk in the way of insight. Now, there's a second kind of fool. It's like a simple fool in one way, but it's like a simple fool who's become so certain of himself despite his naivete. In Hebrew, the the word for this kind of fool is avil. Some have called him the stubborn fool. This kind of fool is ignorant and, and, and speaks with great confidence about what they don't really understand. Proverbs 12 says that the way of fools, this is the avil, the way of the avil, well, it seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. One of my kids, when they were little, they were like this. They spoke with great certainty about things of which they had no idea. And again, when you're a kid, it was cute. We would laugh about it, right? When you're a child, you do it because, you know, you want to seem smarter than you are. You want to impress people. Uh, You want to sound like you're more informed. We'd send the kids off to my sister's house to watch them sometimes, and my sister would call the next day, and and she would begin to ask us all these questions about things that my one child had been teaching her about what was happening at our house. Funny part was, none of it was true. They weren't lying to my sister. They were just really confident about something that they didn't know or understand. Cute with kids. My sister and I used to laugh about it. We even had a saying for it. Super dangerous when it's an adult. What are the characteristics of of this? Um, Certain of the uncertain kind of fool. Psalm 107 describes them a bit. Some became fools, some became evil through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. You see, the stubborn fool is rebellious. He not only questions authority, he bristles under it. He's often working to undermine it. The scriptures, over and over, they advocate submission to constituted authority. The stubborn fool wants nothing more but to overthrow it. And of course, God, right, the ultimate authority, it would make perfect sense then that, quote, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, 
but fools, the avil, they despise wisdom and instruction. Stubborn fools bristle against authority, but they hate wisdom and instruction. You, you know stubborn fools. They're uninterested in your opinion. Heck, they're not actually interested in the truth. It's their way or the highway. And as a result, they tend to reveal themselves through their anger. They, they tend to be short-tempered people, especially when people don't agree with them or with people who have any authority over them. Fools, the Proverbs say, they, they show their annoyance at once, but the prudent know to overlook an insult. Again, right? A fool's mouth lashes out with pride, but the lips of the wise protect them. And, and one more time, a fool spurns a parent's discipline, right? There's the authority, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. There are lots and lots of us stubborn fools out there. And, and you know how you might know that you, you are one? I'm going to ask you a question. Here it is. When was the last time you changed your mind about something, some topic, some position that you were especially passionate about, that you were very, very certain of? When was the last time that you changed your mind about something big in light of new evidence or truth presented to you? Here's the problem. That hardly happens anymore, right? We all do our own research, right, at provemypoint.com. We watch news channels that reinforce what it is we already believe. We create social media networks that are echo chambers. Have you, have you changed your mind or your opinion about anything? Can you, uh, have you ever admitted to anyone that you were just flat out wrong about something that you were once so sure of? If you can't think of anything, there's a good chance you might be a stubborn fool. And here's the thing. <laughs> See, here's the thing about stubborn fools like you and I. Stubborn fools are hard to fix. Simple fools, right? Simple fix. You, you correct them. Stubborn fools, not so much. Solomon wrote, though you grind a fool and a veal. Though you grind him in a mortar, grinding them like, like grain with a pestle, you will not remove their folly from them. Since they're so certain of themselves, right? Since they rebuke authority and they hate correction, it is almost impossible to help the stubborn fool. Unfortunately, there is usually only one thing other than prayer and the moving of the Lord, which can help a stubborn fool. And it's what Solomon is trying so hard for you and I to avoid. It's ruin. Stubborn fools. Stubborn fools, unfortunately, they have two things in common. See if you can pick them out. These are all right from Proverbs uh, chapter 10. The wise in heart accept commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. Whoever winks maliciously causes grief, and a chattering fool comes to ruin. The wise store up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool invites ruin. The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for a lack of sense. Stubborn fools have two things in common. The first is they speak a lot, like a lot. 
Most of the time they are going on and on about things they are, are so sure that they know, but they don't, they don't even understand. And unfortunately, because they tend to speak and not listen, the only thing that often will teach a, a stubborn fool tends to be the hard lessons of life. And so what do you do? Well, if you sense that you might be a stubborn fool, if you've never come to the conclusion that, that you are often wrong, or at least wrong a decent amount of time, if you can't think easily of one thing that you were sure about that now you realize you were wrong about, Solomon actually has one very important word of advice. Quote, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Put in modern day nomenclature, shut up. If you think you might be a stubborn fool, try this on for size. Be quiet. Because you see, if you would just perhaps for a moment zip your lip, right? You might be fortunate enough to listen and hear something that could convince you that you're wrong. If you think you might be a stubborn fool, here's an exercise for you. Purposely try to prove yourself wrong about something you're certain about. How do you do that? Well, you could start by listening to the other side of the issue, right? You could change the channel. You could go out with that conservative jerk at work for lunch and listen to his perspective. You could have a, a drink with the loony liberal next door. Be quiet. Listen. And of course, again, same solution. Seek wisdom from the scriptures. Most people, Pastor John included, are shocked when they read the Bible and discover that often it does not agree with what I think. It doesn't say what I want it to say. Now, this shouldn't surprise us, right? God told the prophet Isaiah, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And so pick up the scriptures. Search, search for wisdom. Look for it and truth. Be prepared for God to think differently than you think. And I'm telling you, you might not like it at first. It might be troubling or off-putting. Remember, you have a problem with authority, right? But it just might save you from ruin. And then finally, this summer morning, I want to warn you about the most common type of fool, at least if you base it on how often Solomon and the, the scriptures reference him. In Hebrew, this common fool is the kasil. Sometimes he's referred to as the sensual fool. The scriptures give more warnings about the sensual fool by far than any other, referenced some 70 times. You see, a, a simple fool, right? A simple fool is naive, he's ignorant. A stubborn fool doesn't know of what he speaks. But this kind of fool is different. This kind of fool knows fully well what is wise and what is folly, what is good and what is evil. This kind of fool really knows what's right and what's wrong. He can discern it. Maybe, maybe to kind of make you understand where I'm coming from. A sensual fool knows what would lead him to the kind of life that he's looking for. And he knows what could result in him missing out on all of his hopes and his dreams. And yet, with a full understanding, he still can't help but choose the wrong path. He makes a very informed, foolish decision. 
here's what Solomon says. He says, for the waywardness of the simple will kill them. That's the simple fool, right? He doesn't know any better. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. The sensual fool knows better, but he's complacent. He, he, he remains right where he is. He doesn't do anything about it. How about Proverbs 10? Doing wickedness is like sport to a fool. And so is wisdom to a person of understanding. Other translations say that this kind of fool finds pleasure in doing wicked things. They know they're wrong and they do them anyway. Which sounds kind of crazy. But I have to tell you that all of us have a tendency towards, well, being a sensual fool. Doing it, even though we know it's not the right move, doing it because it, it brings us some kind of pleasure. A dopamine hit of some kind. Doing things that we know ultimately aren't good for us, in fact, are bad for us. We know that if we continue down this path, it will not lead to the kind of lives or jobs or marriage or relationship or credit rating we want. One of my favorite proverbs regarding my own habits in this regard, I speak it to myself often. I love it because of how raw it is. I, I should probably put this on my fridge from Proverbs 26. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. It goes on. Do you see a wise person in their own eyes? And remember, the Bible never speaks well of somebody who's wise in their own eyes. Yet, quote, there's more hope for a fool than for them. Again, it's, it's easy to see this kind of sensual fool in a child. Your four-year-old's trying to make toast, right? And, and it keeps burning, and so he puts another slice in the toaster, and he pushes it down again. He, he adjusts nothing. No settings are moved. He, he just pushes it down again. The toast burns again, and so he just adds it to the pile of burnt toast in the garbage, pushes down yet another slice, and, and so you come up behind him, and, and you say to him, hey, you know, buddy, do you, do you know how to do this? You see, you, you know, there's this little knob there that changes how long the toast stays down so you don't burn it. Have you had that moment as a parent when, when the kid turns around and he, he looks at you and he goes, I know that, kind of like you have two heads, and turns back and just pushes it down the same way he did again. And you're kind of like, no, I, I, I don't think you do. See, that's this kind of fool. He knows what's right. He's been instructed on what to do, but still can't help but choose or repeat the wrong. Again, we're all, to some extent or another, this kind of fool, right? We are, I'll give you examples, right? We are some of the most educated people on earth. We know how the body works, right? Better than anybody ever before. We've charted out all of the DNA and the protein, we know diet and exercise, right? They're the key to longevity, to a good, prosperous, and healthy life. And yet, these same people that know more about the body than any other people that have ever lived, we comprise the most overweight nation on earth. I have a friend who, who's got a, um, a kid from overseas, a, a foreign exchange student staying at their house. And one of the que questions they asked him um, when he was here just for a short amount of time was, is America uh, different than you thought it would be? And his answer was, yes, you all aren't as fat as I thought you'd be. Our reputation precedes us, right? 
I mean, we could go on and on about this one. If you, uh, if you keep buying lottery tickets, right, yet you can't make your ends meet, you might be a sensual fool. If you ride a motorcycle, especially if you ride a motorcycle with no helmet, you might be a sensual fool. I mean, there's no command against it, right? But if you keep using your credit card, but you can't pay last month's balance, if you go down to the hotel bar on a business trip while you're fighting with your wife, Las Vegas, right? Las Vegas is such a great example of this. Have you been to Las Vegas? I mean, if you haven't, it's worth the trip just to see how incredible the things are that man can make with lots and lots of money. You can go hotel to a hotel and feel like you're in different, in different areas of the world. You can take a gondola ride in the Venetian. And yet, yet, I have never met anybody who tells me that they've lost money gambling. Everyone I speak to who gambles regularly, you know what they tell me? And, and by the way, special shout out to the young guys in the church who sports gamble here. Everybody who gambles tells me the same thing. I'm about even. If you think Las Vegas was built on people being even, if you think all those sports betting ads that are everywhere are getting paid for by people who are even, you might just be a sensual fool. I could do this all day. If I did, here's what you would discover. All of us, over one thing or another, and, and to one degree or another, have a little bit of the sensual fool in us. You see, we know where we want to go. We know what we want. We know the life that God's calling to us, where we'd like to end up, who we want to be. Most of the time, if we paused and asked ourselves, what's the, the wise decision given this set of circumstances, right? What decisions need to be made right now to keep us on the right path? Oftentimes we know what they are, but we have this very strange tendency to take the wrong path anyway. This is the kind of fool that says all of the time, well, I mean, it's, it's my life. Why, why can't I do what I want? It's, it's my body, my time, my money. You know, I'm not hurting anybody else. This doesn't affect anyone. Sound familiar? You see, his... His foolishness has actually blinded him to his selfishness. Here's what Solomon warns of. Proverbs 13, he says, A longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul, but fools detest turning from evil. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Guys, sensual fools create all kinds of collateral damage. Proverbs 10 a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Proverbs 17, to have a fool for a child brings grief. There is no joy for the parent of a godless fool. That's this kind of fool. The kind of fool that says like Pharaoh, who is the Lord? Who is God? This is why Solomon warns of these kinds of fools more than any other. Proverbs 17, 12. It would be better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on his folly. Again, Proverbs 14. Stay away from a fool, for you will not find knowledge on their lips. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Sensual fools lie, first to themselves, and then always to others. In fact, Here's what Solomon says we're supposed to do with these kind of fools. 
And again, all of us have a tendency to one degree or another to, to be this kind of fool. But what we're talking about here are, are people whose lives are marked by this kind of pursuit of, of gluttony and sensuality. And it, it's all about just them and more, right? I'll do what I want to do no matter what kind of, of attitude has overtaken, overtaken them. That's, or that's the kind of attitude that's overtaken them, right? Here's what Proverbs says about dealing with these kind of fools. First, a general principle. Do not speak to fools, for they will scorn your prudent words. Now, I don't think he means don't speak to them at all. I don't think he means cut off all communication. I think what he means, he actually goes on to clarify. He says, stick with me, this is interesting. He goes, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. In other words, don't get baited into arguing, arguing with a fool on his own terms, lest you wind up stooping to his level and become as foolish as he is. Because he despises wisdom and correction. The fool's not going to listen to you and to wise reason. Instead, he's going to try to draw you into his type of argument. Friends, if you want to see this play out, if you want to live it, here's what I encourage you to do. Go home and find a political post on Facebook from one of your friends and comment on it. It's laugh out loud funny, if it wasn't so sad. Conversely, conversely, he says, because there are simple fools watching, right? There are people that are easily led astray because God loves even sensual fools. He goes on and he says, answer a fool according to his folly or he'll be wise in his own eyes. What Solomon is saying is, is not contradictory. What he's saying is that there will be some lies, some deception, which according to the Proverbs, this is the telltale sign of this kind of foolishness. There will be some lies that just can't be left unaddressed. But when you answer them, don't stoop to their level of folly. Simply answer them with the truth and answer them in love. There is no demonizing. There is no insulting. There is no back and forth. Well, there you have it, friends. Three kinds of fools for a summer Sunday morning. I hope one of the three resonated with you a little bit in terms of your own foolishness. If not, that's not a good thing because there are two kinds of fools left to look at and you might be one of them and they're even worse. So, I'm going to be at the beach this week on vacation. I, I'm going to be, as I'm there, reflecting on this truth all week long, right along with you. And here's my challenge. One thing almost every kind of fool has in common, and I wrote down all of the verses on fools this week. Almost every kind of fool has this singular thing in common. They despise wisdom. They hate correction. They don't want to change. They don't want to know the truth. If you want wisdom, right, if you want to get on the path towards wisdom and the life that you're looking for, if you want to wind up in the place that God has for you, right, then can I encourage you this week to think about two things? This is what I'm going to be trying to do. The first is simple. It's what we talked about. It's what Pete talked about a couple weeks ago. Fear the Lord. It is the beginning of wisdom. And I don't mean to be afraid of him, although there, it is always good to have a healthy fear of God. What the scriptures mean is to revere him as God, to assume that he is wise. He is wisdom personified. He knows more than you. 
Would you allow God to be the authority and not bristle underneath it and seek out his wisdom and truth? Look for God's counsel, his ways, his teaching, even when they don't agree with what you think. God, I'm telling you, God will never conform to our way of thinking, but he has given us the rarest of opportunities if we will choose wisdom to conform to his way of thinking. I want to encourage you, pick up the book of Proverbs this week. Flip through a few each morning and reflect on them as they relate to your own life. Second, this one's a little more challenging, but I, I think critically important. Second, we are oftentimes blinded to our own foolishness, right? If you have a spouse, a friend, a counselor, somebody that you love and trust, I would encourage you to share the, these things with them and then ask them, can you be honest and tell me what of these things you see in me? What kind of fool do I tend to be? And then I want you to do what Solomon prescribed. I want you not to be defensive. I want you to, to be quiet, to listen. I want you to take their word for it, to trust them and to put those things that you learn from them into practice. I, I've been doing this for the last couple of weeks with my wife and a, a friend or two, and it's never easy. But friends, there is wisdom there, and where there is wisdom, there is life and not ruin. Guys, I wanna encourage you to have a great week. Even more importantly, I wanna encourage you to have a wise week. I'll see you when I get back, when I get back here. Hopefully, I'll be a little bit tanner and a lot wiser.